0: Our Old Testament lesson this morning will come from Genesis chapter 27. We're gonna be reading verses 11 through 29. As we continue our Old Testament uh, journey through the heroes of faith, we're gonna to look today at Isaac and Jacob. Genesis 27 verses 11 through 29. But Jacob said to his mother, Rebecca, look, my brother Esau's a hairy man and I'm a man of smooth skin. Perhaps my father will fill me and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, "'Let your curse be upon me, my son, only obey my word and go, get, get this for me.' So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and his mother prepared savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of her son Esau, which were with her in the house and put them on her younger son Jacob. Then she put skins on the kid, uh, of the kids on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she handed the savory food and the bread that she had prepared to her son, Jacob. So he went to his father and said, my father, he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went up to Isaac who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. And he said, bring it to me that I may eat my son's game and bless you. So he brought it to him and he ate. Then he brought him the wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers that your mother's sons may may bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Bible is such an amazing book. Um, John Wesley once said, uh, I am a man of one book, and that book is Scripture. There is no book in all of human history like Scripture. Um, Wesley said it is twice blessed. It is blessed when it was written, and it's blessed when it's read. I think sometimes about how the Holy Spirit works within Scripture, and it's quite amazing for me to think about the fact that the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of this sacred text, the same Holy Spirit that speaks to me and you when we read it. The same God who who, who crafted this text is the same God who's gonna to speak to our lives and to our hearts when we read it. I love, I love the Bible, I do. And there, there, there are many reasons why I trust in it. There, there are many reasons why I trust in it. I trust in it because there's no other book in, of antiquity, uh, meaning historic, a historic book of this nature that is as well versed and sourced and we have as many manuscripts as scripture. There's no other book in all of ancient writing Let's let's taking the whole Jesus thing out of it. Let's just talk about historic. There's no book that is historic like scripture that has as many sources and as many um, identifiers as scripture does. There's no other book that has been proved as archaeologically as true as scripture. There's, there, there, you can Google all this. There are reason after reason after reason to trust scripture. I trust scripture. There's, there's no, there's no reason to doubt the authority and the historic nature of scripture. It is a, it's a powerful book. And then, of course, you add to it the religious elements to it. The fact, like, that's just, I'm talking about historical. You add into the spiritual reality of it that no book has changed more lives in human history than Scripture. Individuals have been saved and converted to Jesus Christ simply through reading this book. That God speaks to us through this book. God, God, God shouts at us through this book. This book is, should be our main source of information and reading, our revealed source of truth. This book shows us the path to God. It points us to Jesus. It is our best friend. There are a lot of reasons why I believe scripture is true. But one of the primary reasons why I believe scripture is true is this. Um, If I was gonna make up a book about myself, like if I was gonna write this stuff, I'd make myself look good. I mean, like like if I was retelling this and I was a character in it, let me tell you, I would look awesome. You wouldn't know any of my flaws. Like, it's amazing the way we meet so many people in Scripture. Think about the Gospels. We, we, we meet Matthew when he's a tax collector. His own Gospel tells us that. The first time we meet Mark, is he's, not, he's actually unnamed. But in the Gospel of Mark, we see Mark, uh, running out of the garden uh, without any clothes on because it got caught. We see so many people, think of Saul, Paul, his conversion. We see the flaws in every character. I heard an interesting story about an individual who was, knew nothing of Christianity, knew nothing of Christianity, and was given the Bible to read and he read through it from, from front to back. And somebody asked him what he thought of scripture. He said, well, the one thing I can tell you is when I read this book, it seemed like everybody in this book was pretty imperfect and did a lot of silly and incorrect things, except for this one man who seemed to have it all together. And of course, he was talking about Jesus. And I think that's a good description of scripture. That's one reason why I trust it. It's because every hero you see in scripture is, fall- is fallible. Every hero we read about in this book, we see them warts and alls. We see their flaws. We see the flaws in Adam and Noah. We see the flaws in Moses. We see the flaws in Abraham. We see the flaws in, um, in the disciples. We see the flaws in the kings. We see the flaws in David, a I man after God's own heart. We see the warts in everything for David. We see the flaws of every major character in scripture, except the only one who is perfect. And that was Jesus Christ. I'm saying all that to say that when Hebrews 11 lists to us these heroes of the faith, there's a lot of people in this, in this story who, who are definitely in, in, imperfect. But goodness gracious, y'all, I, I don't know if anyone measures up to the story of Isaac and, and, of, and of Jacob. Uh, they are two of the more interesting characters in all the Bible. And they're interesting for two reasons, two different reasons. First, we see Isaac, who we see. I, I chose this passage today. There's a lot of, uh, we're talking today, Hebrews 11 talks about Isaac and Jacob. And there's a lot of passages we could talk about. But I chose this passage because I think, I think this chapter today best exemplifies both of their characters. Um, we see Isaac. Remember, Isaac is the son of Abraham, the promised son of Abraham that we talked about last week. Remember last week we talked about how, how God came and told them that when he returns in a year that, they will, they, that Sarah will have a child, and she laughed. And, he's, and that child that was born was named Isaac, which means laughter. Isaac was the promised child that was given to Abraham and to Sarah. And we don't really see... A lot of the story, he's actually, in the course of Scripture, um, almost a transitional figure. We we see him meeting Rebekah and things such as that, but but frankly, we don't see a lot of Isaac's story. We see a lot of Abraham's story, which we read last week, and we're going to see a lot of Jacob's story in the chapters to come, but Isaac... We don't see a whole lot of his story. But what we do see in this passage is we see that Isaac is uh, frail and weak. He doesn't seem to have the same strength of his father or frankly the same strength of his sons. We see him blind here and fooled by his wife and his son. We see that Isaac it doesn't seem to have the same power and authority and gusto even that his father had, and then we see Jacob Jacob y'all, man, Jacob is something. We were talking about Jacob in in the office this week, and somebody said, Man, Jacob' This story reads like a soap opera. And like, I mean, come on, y'all. This is like straight out of days of our lives. I mean, this is something. This is this is some story we just read here. And we see, ja- I mean, in my opinion, when you read the life of Jacob, I mean, some of the worst characters we're going to study in the Bible that God uses were in the book of Judges. We see some really imperfect people in Judges. But man, Jacob, Jacob measures up against all of them. We didn't read it today, but, but you go back and read and Jacob basically stole, well, he, he stole his brother's birthright, which is basically the inheritance. I mean, Esau was weak and, 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 and guided by his impulses and his desires. So he sold his inheritance, his birthright for a bowl of soup. But Jacob took advantage of him, basically took his birthright out from underneath him. And then when you read the story today, he, he just outright tricked his daddy. Just out, but lied to his face. Yes, I am your son Esau. Is this my son Esau? Yes, it is my son Esau. Lied to his daddy to steal the blessing. So the birthright we see in a previous chapter that we didn't read today, the birthright guaranteed the inheritance that was now gonna come Jacob's way, which he stole from his brother. Now the blessing, this was gonna, the blessing was gonna be Isaac's chance to kind of even the score a little bit. If Jacob got the inheritance, Esau was supposed to get the blessing and maybe not receive all the inheritance that Jacob would receive, but at least be seen with the the blessing of his father. And now Jacob, through his underhanded nature, received both the inheritance previously and now receives the blessing of his father, which he stole from his brother. These are two characters That when you read in Scripture, it's hard to find. It's hard in this story to find the redemptive nature for Jacob. When I read this week and studied and part of my rooted in Christ, I struggled to find the redemptive part of the story. The best I could come up with is I compared it to the story of the the unjust servant in, in the Gospels where in that passage, Jesus tells us that commends this unjust servant who cheated his master but made a, a safe way for himself to, to, to move through life. And he, Jesus commended that. And he basically tells us to be smart in our life. I struggle to understand that. And I struggle to understand Jacob here, particularly when you see in the line of God's story, you see Abraham to the promised child of Isaac. And then God's legacy and God's covenant and God's promises will be passed down through Jacob, who right now doesn't seem to have a lot of redemptive characters to him. Now, we do see that he's smart and strong and will survive, which are important characteristics. So we do see that within him, but we struggle to see the morality in this. I think there's two things we can take away when we read the story. I think one of the reasons why God chose chose Jacob, because we see in the New Testament that God chose Jacob. I think God chose Jacob. One reason was because of Jacob's ability to to be faithful and to try to work. You know, Esau was willing to sell his birthright for a bowl of soup, you know, not even steak dinner or a bowl of soup. Jacob was going to work and try to survive, which is important. But I think actually the reason why Jacob is this individual. It shows us that God is a God who uses imperfect vessels. Once again, like why I know is true and why I trust in the authority of scripture. is because scripture is a whole litany of God using imperfect vessels and imperfect people to do his will to fulfill his plan, to keep his promise, to keep his word. God is a God who uses imperfect vessels. Truly y'all, if God will use Jacob to fulfill his promise to Abraham and to Isaac, then he can use me and you. There's nothing we've done beyond the pale that God cannot use. There's nothing we, can, we, we have done that makes us unusable by the Father. If we will come to God and give him our life, he will use us. Jacob shows us that as the, as the New Testament teaches us over and over again, that we are saved by grace through faith lest no one can boast. We're not saved by our own righteousness. We're not saved by our own goodness. We're not saved by our own perfection. The Bible says our good works are as but filthy rags. We're not saved by what we do, y'all. We do not earn our salvation. If we earned our salvation, there's no way Jacob's getting in, y'all. Lecrae is a Christian musician, a rapper. He has this great line of one of his songs where he says, if heaven's not a gift, then I'm not getting in. We see Jacob exemplify to us that heaven is a gift. That faith is a gift. That salvation is a gift. Jacob did nothing to earn the blessing that God gave him. Jacob did nothing to earn that. It was simply freely given by God's amazing grace. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Father's love? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Jacob shows us it's not by our efforts we're saved, but by the grace of God. God gave Jacob grace, and that grace saved him. I've been watching, um, uh, recently, I go through these phases where I watch different movies, um, and y'all know I usually, I usually plow the ground of Star Wars a lot, but I've been, um, I've been going back and watching Lord of the Rings for some reason. I, 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 I never really liked The Hobbit as much as I did the Lord of the Rings, and, um, I really love those movies. They're they're so good. And um, I've been watching it and been paying a lot of attention to the hobbits. And and it's funny to me how often (laughs) Gandalf or others uh, will talk, call them you foolish hobbits. Things such as that. They were naive and simple, always wanting to eat. But they were the ones that had to destroy the ring. They were the pivotal characters in the entire book. They didn't look like much. And every one of them did something pretty silly or ridiculous within the books and the movies. But they were the characters through which the story had to pass and the ring had to pass and had to be destroyed. It's often the imperfect and the weak and the frail that God uses. Scripture says that God said that... um, that he uses the weak to shame the proud. Maybe that's why he used Jacob. (laughs) So that if if he can fulfill the promise through someone like Jacob, he can do it through anybody. The thing about Jacob though is this encounter is not the totality of the story. Because yes, here he robs from his brother but if we hit fast forward and go to chapter 33, we see another scene with this brother. We see in chapter 33 that Jacob goes to his brother Esau, lays prostrate before him, and he comes to him as a, ser- as a servant. And they're reconciled. This arrogant, thieving younger brother repents publicly, shows deference to his brother, And it's reconciled with his brother. But before we get to 33, we go through 32. In chapter 32, we see Jacob wrestle with God. We see Jacob and God wrestle all night long. And God holds on to him. And in fact, in that chapter in 32, Scripture tells us that God changes Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel. He who strives with God. God changes him. And after he's changed, he goes to his brother and reconciles. Jacob right now in chapter 27 looks pretty irredeemable, doesn't he? But God has big plans for him. Not because Jacob has earned those big plans, but because God is merciful. And through this very one we see today, God did great things. Not because Jacob was perfect but because God's perfect. Not because Jacob is great, but because God's great. We are saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. Today, friends, you're not saved because you've got it all together, or you've got it all figured out, or it's all right. We're saved by grace through faith, lest no one can boast. Today, know this. Our salvation comes not from our efforts or our our goodness, but our salvation comes through the grace of Jesus Christ. Today and each day, may we be thankful for his grace and thankful for his goodness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your goodness, for your salvation. Let us live, love, serve, laugh, and cling to faith above all else. For we're saved by grace through faith. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen.